This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Welcome back. It's Lols here. This guest is the wonderful Loretta. So think all things Reiki, crystal healing vibes. She's got this epic goddess energy. In this episode, we talk about how Loretta plucked up the courage to quit her corporate job, super successful, to chase her dreams of Reiki, crystal energy healing. She also talks about balancing, chasing that passion and being a mama of two little baby bambinos and balancing her relationship as well. Trigger warning here, Loretta does open up about eating disorders, especially bulimia and living and hiding bulimia. Loretta, thank you so much for your bravery, your kindness and your heart. Righto, so this... Next guest is gorgeous, first of all, if we talk about in, talk about who I'm sitting opposite. It's the wonderful Loretta from Nourished Energy. You may know her from Insta. She is an all-round kind of energetic healer. So I'm talking crystals, sound, Reiki, you do one-on-one counsel, coaching, should I say. Um, and I think I was reading on Loretta's, website, her dharma or purpose is to inspire people to live more fulfilled lives via energy healing. Did I get that okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so Loretta and I, we've known each other for yonks. When did we meet? <laughs> uh, it was end of 2017. Okay. Yeah. Where? where? I don't even remember. So, you contacted me on Instagram. <laughs> oh, I love this. It sounds like a date. I just slid into her DMs. <laughs> you did actually. And you asked me if I wanted to go crystal shopping with you. That's right. You did. did I run into you at the crystal shop before that happened? No. That happened after. Oh, my God, amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God, I can't believe I've blacked out on that. And then we went crystal shopping, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Oh, my God. And the rest is history. I've done my Reiki training with you. So I've done my level one, level two, level two A. Is that Three right? Three A. Three A. Um, you've also done crystal healing on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've spoken at your event, spoke at, spoke at your event recently as well. So I guess this podcast is about fucking up really it's about failing because I think Instagram celebrates all the good shit and it's like kind of like a highlight reel for life so the reason why I wanted to get you on here is because I know that you've kind of like gone against the grain to to create this business to create to be in this industry and to keep your own integrity you're using obviously social media to you know, generate business and I just, I find your story fascinating. And then when I delved a bit deeper and got onto your website and looked into your bio and I'm a Virgo so I like to know all the facts before a podcast, um, you know, your 20s was a really tricky, tricky time for you. But before we talk about that, 
quickly give me a quick spiel about like I know I've just said what you do, but like give us a little bit of it. Like I'm sitting in your clinic space here and we're surrounded by crystals and Tibetan singing bowls. So in a nutshell, what is Nourished Energy? Nourished Energy is basically a, um, it provides the, the tools and the support to help mostly women to basically live a life of their dreams. Oh, dude, <laughs> sold. Sign me up. <laughs> awesome. And so you said to me like actually when, when I spoke at your event, you were like you, Lola, you pushed me to kind of go off, to kind of like go after it because this, because Nourish Energy is not young as far as business goes but you doing it full-time is newish. Is that right? Yeah. I um, I quit my job in actually just last year, (laughs) like my my day job, um, the beginning of last year. And it wasn't until after that conversation with you. We were crossing the road there, wasn't I? And I was like, fuck it, mate, quit your job. Go go, go live your dreams. Life's too short. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was something like that. It was along those lines. It was like we were going to get my third coffee of the day, I think. Yeah, we did. And and you said to me, you you said, um, you know, you can do this. And you just instilled this confidence in me. And it was just really, it was really good just to hear that from, from you. I think I needed someone who was already living their dreams to tell me that because you get told by so many people who aren't living their dreams that you shouldn't take risks, right? Yeah. But, um, and I think you also said to me, don't listen to people who aren't doing what you, what they, what they, you know, what they want to be doing or, um, yeah. living their own dream yeah that's such a good point you just reminded me when when I started my I was like fuck, 20 and I saved all my money and bought a video camera to start filming YouTube vids I was still at uni studying nutrition but I was like oh, I'm gonna be the Steve Irwin of fruits and veggies and I was living in Queensland with my boyfriend's family at the time and I was like I'm gonna get, get a loan so I can buy video equipment and I also paid for a whole production team to film this online YouTube series called a brockumentary, like broccoli documentary, I thought it was cool. <laughs> and we called it Fruits and Roots in the end and someone thought I was filming a porno because of the name. But anyway, I digress. Um, my boyfriend's dad at the time was like, oh, my God, don't get into debt. You're way too young to start getting into debt. Don't go to the bank and don't get the loan. Don't, like, it was like protect yourself, protect yourself. And I get it. He was trying to protect me. But if I listened to that, I would have never taken that risk. And that's kind of like what you're getting at. So you 100% have to listen to the or look for the people that are kind of like kind of like going against the grain like what we said and you and I were just before we jumped on here talking about Italian culture because my beautiful boyfriend is Italian as well and and you know and you were like oh how does this go with it like <laughs> we're all different different values like I'm like kids what kids when <laughs> and it is interesting like um for you because you're Italian as well right like yeah. I imagine like there would have been an expectation for you to like have a corporate job or make the money, pop the kids out, like almost a non-verbal one, but was there ever an expectation or one that you had within yourself? I definitely had one within myself and my parents certainly expected me to live a more conventional life. They still don't know what I do, basically. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> um, I think mum sort of says, oh, she does like massage or something. Oh. <laughs> Because they know I've got a massage table in the room, but they don't, and do something with crystals, but they don't really understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, there was a, I guess, a, um, an expectation there to to live a more conventional 
life and definitely get married, which I did, and have the children, which I've done. Um, and mum and dad help me out so much now, even with the kids, like we yeah. help them to look after them and, and stuff like that. But there is still this, oh, you know, you, should you be working on your, should, shouldn't you just be at home? And why do you, why do you want to do this? Why can't you yeah. just stay at home? Why can't you be satisfied with See, with this is where got. I'm totally like the other cheerleader that's like, get the help with the kids. Like, you are an amazing mum and I've seen you as, a, you know, with your cute look. I haven't met your new Barbaroonie. No, Ariel. Yeah. How old's Ariel? <laughs> She's six and a half months. Yeah, haven't yeah. met. That's yeah. a bad friend thing um, of me. But you're incredible, and it's not like it's not like you're not a mum. Like you're Thank so you. there. <laughs> but I think as well, like we need to celebrate mums that do want to still chase their passion. You can be a mum and have an epic career that is totally your bliss or your dharma or your calling. Um. So I want to learn about like the moment that we just spoke about of like, oh, I'm going to quit my job. But I want to go back a little bit earlier than that. And I was reading on your website that like your 20s were rough. Your 20s were like, although you on the surface kind of had your shit together and had this great job and you were travelling all the time and you were seemingly ticking off all the boxes and so successful, deep down you were battling a few things. Do you want to share a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, my, my 20s were if I – Sum it up in a nutshell, it was dark. It was mm. really dark. And um, I really missed out on a lot of life, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of days just in bed, really depressed, um, suffered heaps of anxiety, especially social anxiety. Um, and basically I was battling eating disorder, so namely bulimia. Mm-hmm. Um, spent so much time just focusing on food all, all the time and, and worrying about food constantly either buying food or throwing up food or eating food or, you know, that was basically my life. Um, how, can I ask how long that phase lasts? Ten years. Yeah. It was ten years of my life, yeah. They say to get through an eating disorder, it's an eight-year process to just get through it. From the moment that you go, oh, I've got a problem, yeah. to then getting through it. Yeah. Wow. That was a, it was a long time before I sort of – I actually remember opening up to my GP. I think I was, I was 21. And I was about to go overseas. I was about to move overseas and I said to my GP, um, I think there's something wrong with me. I've got – this is what I'm doing and I can't stop. I don't know how to stop this. Mm-hmm. And and um, she said, oh, well, it, that's bulimia. You need to go – you have to go and see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I left. I left. I didn't do anything about it. I just went overseas and thought if I moved away yeah. – then I could run away, run away. From our problems, <laughs> which we've all tried to do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just for people that might be like, oh, eating disorder is just a mental condition, but bulimia is specifically you'd often potentially gorge or binge and then and then purge, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of your cycle? Did it just come up in times of stress or that was something that was like an very much part of your everyday life? Yeah, it was every day. It was wow. every day for a very long time, yeah. As I got better, it got better, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, for a very long time, it was it was every day. Sometimes, a lot of times a day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And there was guilt with certain food, or was it a was it a uh, response to stress? Like, was it like, oh, I'm really stressed at the moment. I'm just not going to keep my food down. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> I think at the start, it was probably just that. It was just a response to stress, and I just found a way to deal with it. And obviously you get the, the hit, right, the dopamine rush that mm-hmm. comes with doing anything like that. It's any kind of addiction gives you that. Um, and that 
formed into a habit mm-hmm. and over time it was just such a habit that it didn't matter matter even when I was extremely happy or extremely sad. It actually didn't matter. It was, it was just, just part of you. It was just part of me, yeah. Now that you can look back at that time and namely the, the eating disorder, can you pinpoint like the, was it like a lack of control in some, some other area of your life that you then were like, well, I'm now going to control this area of my life? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I couldn't, I think it was a lot of things that I couldn't control and mostly it was that I couldn't even control uh, my emotions and how I was feeling about anything. So I didn't even, I was so disconnected from who I was um, and this was really my only way to control and I was constantly obsessed with being perfect, right? I wanted Mm. to be, I wanted to be really good at school. I wanted to have perfect friends, perfect career, perfect everything. Mm. I wanted to be perfect, right? I wanted to live this perfect life and um and I couldn't get that all the time clearly yeah it's <laughs> called life yeah. <laughs> equanimity ups and downs <laughs> but because of that um yeah this was the only thing that I was I was really trying to control and trying to be perfect at was was controlling the weight and controlling the food portions and all that sort of stuff wow thank you for sharing that because I know I've, I've got a history of eating disorders too and I know it's not easy to share mm. and often the root cause can be really dark and really like, oh, did they just, because like, I, you know, I've, I've shared that like I have a history of like sexual abuse and it just, you know, it's dark, like it's a dark thing to have. But, it, but then when you actually look at it from actually quite a matter of fact way, it's like, no shit, she had to control something else in her life. Like, that poor kid was just like so lost, didn't understand what they were doing wrong and was blaming themselves for someone else's shit. And so they went to control. And I had, um, in conjunction, I had OCD at the same time. And so it was all, all intertwined. I don't know about you, and I think you're a lot more emotionally balanced than I am like I can still get worked up and my boyfriend will be like calm down calm down you go (laughs) from nothing to like a million of like "Ah, I can't live today like just losing my shit um so for me the food stuff still crops up like I was just saying to you I've got a big family lunch in a few weeks I'm already kind of like I'm playing that tape in my head of how that day is going to roll out because being out of control with my food brings me anxieties. But if you said to me, let's grab lunch after this, I'd be like, yeah, no worries because that feels, I feel free Mm. in that moment and I feel like that to me feels like, well, it just is. Whereas if there's something that that I'm stressed about or I'm moving into a scenario where I might not have control or might feel like I'm being judged, that's when my stuff, but I've st- I absolutely still get triggered now today. Would you say you do too? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Even um, even just going to certain places will trigger me, like um, my parents' house triggers yeah. me because it's that was where I grew up yeah. and that for me was a constant trigger. That was where, you know, the bathroom was where I used to throw up. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it is a, it is a trigger. And even, even going to certain, um, you know, shopping shopping yeah. centers or um, places that I used to do, and foods that I used to do do it with a lot that would trigger me as well. So, food. did you binge as well, or did mm. you? Man- yeah, the the delight in binging. I don't think anyone would understand unless they've done it. But it's like 
in the moment you're just like, I can have everything I want. And I got so bad. This is when I was like, I shouldn't even make a joke about it, but like I'd have a list of all the things I'd eat on my binge day. You are such a Virgo. I am. That's a very Virgo <laughs> thing to do. And I'd literally tick them off and be like, yep, went for that um, smash nabo there. Went for, and it's all healthy stuff, but I would just have like six days worth of food in one day. Like I would go to the point of feeling sick. Mm. I never was good at, I don't like vomit, so I always just put weight on when I binged. <laughs> I kept it all in. Um, but it, it, unless you've done it, you don't like, I mean, some people will be like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I eat too many chocolate someday. I'm like, it's nothing like that. Times that by like, and it, there's this sense of self-loathing all interlace with it and then throw guilt into it and then throw shame into it and it becomes this vortex of like, and then you're jacking your serotonin up if it's got any sugar in it as well because the body's inflamed. And so it's like, ah, I must protect myself. I'm I'm being attacked. And so you feel good at the same time. It's this really fucked up kind of vortex that you get sucked into. So it's really cool that you've shared that because like, I haven't spoken to anyone else on here about eating disorders and I think it's still a very prevalent thing, especially we can see on Instagram. It's yes. Yeah. Sure. And, and you and I both spoke at an event recently and, you know, those girls that also spoke who, who are big, you know, influencers, I'm like, fuck, you've got it way worse than me. Like people, I um, don't know if I told you this, but after the gig I spoke at with you, I got fat shamed. Did you know what? So somebody sent. I was I was wearing that dress we were just talking about before. Somebody sent a photo of me to their friend and said, "Yeah, she looks like she's put weight on, especially around her stomach. Maybe she's pregnant." And they accidentally DM'd me, not the friend that they wanted to talk to me about. Like, does that make sense? Oh, so like they've accidentally yeah. sent it to me, yeah. and I was like, "Hey, this is Lola. Pretty sure you're talking." about me but not to me, in regard to my tummy weight, I am not pregnant. And they'd written that I don't post full-length photos anymore. Um, I hadn't realised that I wasn't posting any more full-length photos. Sorry to disappoint. Send. And they were like, oh, my God, that wasn't meant for you and it's not about you. And I wrote, even worse. The fact that you're speaking about another female's body like this is fucked up. And we had this massive fight. Like I went, I went, I was like holding this. I was like, this is not okay. And yeah, and I'm Good like, but that yeah. was triggering. Like for me, I was like, and I'll be honest, like I walked straight to Coles and bought two Turkish Delight chocolate bars and necked them yeah. straight away. Like yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I feel like a shit human. I am going to just, um, and I always get tired after he talks anyway, so it's like a perfect time to just like be like, I need more calories. And I just, I remember I was walking home and I just like shoved them in my mouth and then got back home. My boyfriend's like, where have you been? I'm like, I just gorged myself on chocolate. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, we call each other boss. And he's like, boss, I've just made you a beautiful salmon and all this stuff. But my body just needed to feel rewarded mm-hmm. because I felt shit about myself. Yeah. And, like, we, I had a really nice conversation with that person eventually and they ended up opening up to me about their own personal stuff. And, I, and we had a wonderful exchange. But it was still a very horrible experience for me to go through. And I just think... Fuck, as a 33-year-old, we can still get your young. Are you younger than me? Or? No. <laughs> no, older. Thank God because yeah. <laughs> you've done a lot. <laughs> um, but we can still get triggered, you know, in our 30s as like adult women seemingly with our shit together. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's actually ridiculous. I don't even know where, where this comes from. First of all, where why we have this thing in our culture where it's it's even 
normal to self-loathe or to Mm. not like yourself or to even think about your body as something that you could be judgmental about. Yeah. Like where does that even come from? Or judging another person's body, where does this this even come from? Well, this is where you'd probably say social media is a big culprit, I'd say. Yeah, but even, I mean, when I was... 21 that yeah there was no you know I hated my body hated who I was and and there was no social media see my thing is I think like and I love my parents but I'd Mm -hmm. say I learned a lot of my mum's tiny like was a model at my age I was just talking about this earlier and phenomenal but never has had to worry about it I'm I'm like the yo-yo girl you know, and she, and I don't mean eating yo-yos or as delicious as they are, but my weight can fluctuate and she stays at, you know, 53 kilos her whole life except for when she had me, you know. And I was like, oh, God, no, like I change hormonally all the time. But I think where it comes from is like it's really weird because think about our bodies. They get us from A to B, they nourish us, they move us, they give us energy. Oh, I've just said your business name in two sentences, (laughs) nourished energy. Um, And like they're these beautiful temples that we should be looking after and loving and like I think for straight women it's a different ballgame because my boyfriend is like, do you want to look at my rig? And I'm like, pardon me? He's like, I did Pilates today, you should touch my glutes. I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, all the abs, whatever you like. And I think straight males have got this sense of like, like, and I've dated guys that are absolutely do not have the abs or glutes that my that Matt has, and they're like, oh, I'm excited for you to see me naked. I'm like, what is going on right now? Whereas I'm just like, oh, it's just weird. I think women, it's a, it's a definitely a feminine thing. But um. Uh, did you did you think do you think that the eating disorder fueled the depression and fueled the anxiety? Were they like one encompassing thing? Yeah, I th- I actually think I had um, bouts of depression in my late teens. So before before my first episode of an mm-hmm. e- you know any sort of eating disorder, I do remember um, from about fifteen sixteen just feeling pretty dark. Yeah, and really not coping very well um, and not feeling confident in myself and, and that sort of stuff. And and I guess, so I guess that was that was already happening in my late teens and then a way of coping with that was the bulimia. And because I can relate to that, like because my stuff happened from started happening 13 to 15 was like the beginning. So I can relate to that because you're starting to grow up into a human being and you're like, who the fuck am I? Where do I belong? I, I, know, I don't relate to this thing but I relate to this thing and I don't know who I am and I don't know what I – but when you say like having dark thoughts, is it like that sense of not belonging or not, belonging or not knowing who you are or feeling stuck? Or... For me it was oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, yeah. I think we all have a fundamental belief that fuels everything else. Yeah. All the other shit beliefs that we have. But there's always one. Even the work that I do with clients, you know, I really get them to hone down and, and focus on one thing that yeah. then get them to to go through that pro- process of discovering that one thing. Because yeah. that, when once we can understand what it is that we live by and what's really holding us back, then we can start to, to work on that and to change that. So what was that turning point for you? Uh, well, I, I realised that it wasn't, that I wasn't good enough, that, that that was the belief that I wasn't good enough. And um, I started to do 
a lot of work on myself in my late 20s mm-hmm. and um, I didn't want to feel this way anymore and I certainly, I didn't want to have bulimia anymore. I just, no. it was. Do you, how'd you go dating and like. It was fine. Absolutely fine. No, no, no. Uh, no. Um, I told a couple of guys I dated I think um, and there was a bit of misunderstanding about what it was or really trying to help me or trying to sympathise with me and empathise, you know, it was it was kind of that, like, oh, you shouldn't feel like that, you know. Yeah. And that sort of stuff. Surfacy. Yeah, very surfacy stuff. Um, my husband, though, when I met him, he was very different <laughs> in, uh, in his approach. Jamie, right? Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. yeah, so when I met Jamie, actually, he um, he said to me, I think after a few months it kind of came up and I said, look, I've I'm seeing a therapist and um, I started at that point I'd started doing energy work um, with one of my teachers and um, I had a life coach as well. So mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of stuff and and he said to me, um, we talked about why and what I, would, what I was doing and all that sort of stuff and he actually just pulled me up on it and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, how good. And he goes, what a strong guy. Yeah, he did. And he said, you know, I am... Um, I want to have kids and I want to have, I want to get married and have a family and I have to think about the type of mum that I want to yeah. raise my child. And, you know, if my friend had told me that their guy said that, I'd be like, oh, my God, dump his ass. What a dick, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was really strong in, in being able to say that to me and and it really changed my, I guess, my purpose of totally. wanting to get better, right, because I now had a bigger a bigger why, a bigger, a bigger reason to get good better. on him for calling that out in you. Like that's pretty ballsy. Yeah, yeah. That's a full like fuck it line in the sand. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like either man up and face your shit because you got to. Be- also, that's the thing. You don't want to impart your shit onto your kids. No way. No, no, not at all. It, the buck stops. It's got to stop here. Yeah. So you've got to heal the wounds, right? Because you you do ancestral healing you know you pass on this stuff to your oh, kids to- and it's you you can't it's your responsibility to heal that in your lifetime totally i actually think like the first few, i also see a therapist and the first few months i was like oh my mom and dad are shit like i was blaming them cuz 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 in when you first start therapy, you often go back to childhood things that have happened that then become triggers to the way that you are as an adult and your coping mechanisms. And so I would remember all these like just little niggly things that mum or dad had said. And I was like, oh no, I need space away from them because they're the reason that I'm fucked up right now. And then as the therapy goes on, you realize they're actually fucking amazing human beings, but they're also just human beings trying to do the best they can. And they are going to fuck up. I'm going to fuck up as a parent one day. You know what I mean? And and as soon as you get past that, you're like, oh, they're actually pretty cool. And actually they did a really awesome job and I probably would do much like I, I would aspire to do that good of a job. And I think, yeah, it is our own responsibility to face our own shit, learn from it. And I think as well what I love about you is, yes, you are all about energy work, but, like, that's one form of self-care. There are so many things that you can do. Like you can go and study meditation. You can see a psychologist. You can see a hypnotherapist. Like I'm big into hypnotherapy, so I, yeah, I, I love, love it. it. Yeah. Um, and I think there's – there's no right way, but I think every human being as an adult has a responsibility to work on themselves on a psychological level. 
And I think energy healing like this works on a, an emotional and psychological level too, which brings me <laughs> to, I don't know why I tried to sing that because I can't <laughs> sing for peanuts, um, nourished energy. So I read on your website that it kind of started as a side hustle, obviously before you met me, and that, that story will come in a sec, but not saying I'm a pinnacle person, by the way, but I'm just saying like when we had that combo and you were like, yeah, I'm going to man up and take the plunge. When So when did it start as a side hustle? Take me through that journey. Because you said that it, this, it was like an Instagram for like five years or something. Is that right? Yeah, it was an Instagram account for about two years. Yeah. Okay, I got my numbers yeah, wrong, guys. That's right, that's right. <laughs> um, kind of started it. Look, I, I started it because I wanted to inspire myself yeah. <laughs> and motivate myself. Yeah. And I wanted to share that stuff with other people and to be honest, my strategy hasn't changed very much. You know, my, my Instagram account is all about inspiring and empowering mm. others as, as, well as, my, as well as myself. Um, so I just started it like that and um, I had been studying Reiki on the side. I'd also been studying crystals and other things as well. I'm always studying, by the way, <laughs> always doing a course or something. Um, but I, I was doing a lot of that sort of stuff. I knew that I wanted to practice professionally but something kept holding me back. It wasn't really the right time. I tried. I, I went to another space, um, had zero clients, <laughs> got all my flights printed, everything like that, put up a website, an old website now, an old logo. Nothing really didn't feel right, nothing worked. But, you got, but people need to know this about you because you see nourished energy and it's beautiful and the website's incredible <laughs> and it feels like you're you know, in a beautiful wonderland of energetic healing and it's all very beautiful and blissful. But people need to know that you did it fucking wrong at the start. Yeah, I did. I did it really wrong at the start. <laughs> and I think like saying that you had no clients, like I didn't know that about you, how did that make you feel? Uh, like I was not doing the right thing. Yeah. Like this wasn't. But I couldn't stop this um, this feeling, right, this niggle, like, no, keep just go with it, just go with it. And that's I just trusted that. I kept trusting really? it. Yeah. Um, so cool. Kept, That's intuition, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I kept putting my energy into the study and into learning and um, tr- and into my Instagram account. I kept trying to, I mean, that was going well. That was, you know, followers um, were increasing and I was getting well, some How are you going with that there. now? doesn't grow much nowadays, does it? Mine doesn't. Um, it's not too bad. Oh, it's it still grows. Bad, so yeah. Oh, mine yeah. doesn't. Mine hit a yeah. fucking brick wall oh, months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and no, I still. I'll take still lessons off you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was just um, just focusing on what was working, I guess, and try to do different things. And then um, I was pouring so much energy into my day job as well. So mm-hmm. at that moment, my daughter was my first daughter was eighteen months old, and I was back working full time, which was really shit like that was I shouldn't have gone back full-time to work and and you know it wasn't right for me mm-hmm. and I was working a lot I was kind of away from my husband a lot in terms of you know the family time mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff and I was really disconnecting from our relationship and I felt like um I felt like I was just numb in that department. I had really no, I'd sort of disassociated from what was going mm-hmm. on within our relationship and I knew that things weren't great but I just ignored it and kept focusing more on the on the business and mm. and pouring all my energy into that sort so of thing. So we met around this time, did we not? No. Did we meet after this? After this, yep, yep. So 
you were kind of like trying but almost like you're going pushing against something. Yeah. yeah. And so what was the next step for you? I cut you off so you may as well just tell us what the <laughs> next step was. <laughs> well, one day I um, Jamie was out. It was a Saturday night and I, um, I had Angelica and I had an ear infection. Now, if anyone's into metaphysical messages, yes, you'd, you'd be wondering, okay, well, what, she, what wasn't she listening, listening to? to. <laughs> yeah, totally. Anyway, so I um, had an ear infection. I went um, went to my parents' house and told Jamie um, that I wasn't feeling well, getting some help with Angelica. I, um, I'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow came and I didn't go home and I said, I'll be back the next day. Next day came, the day after that came, and I was like, right, I've got to go home now. Um, packed the car up, walked back inside to get Angelica. She was in the living room floor with my mum just playing and I said, come on, Angelica, we've got to go. And then I just collapsed on the floor mm. in a heap and I was sobbing so loudly and I couldn't control myself at all and I actually had no idea how I was feeling. At this point I was sort of just living you were in it. on automatic yeah. cry. I didn't yeah. really know what was what I was feeling, what was going on. And mum was huddled over me and she was trying to know, understand what was going on. She said to me, what, what's wrong, what's wrong? And, and all I could manage to say was I can't go back there. I can't go back there. And I didn't even know why. I didn't had no idea how I, how I really felt. And, um, and I didn't go back for five months. Mm. <laughs> and um, But in that time, nourished energy the way that it is today was born. Yeah. So how did Jamie take that? Like how did it go? So we had, we, we had to work through a lot of our own stuff. But yeah. the thing that I understand now in hindsight is I always had this fear of, abandonment of being alone, Mm -hmm. you know, because I wasn't good enough, right? So Mm -hmm. I had to, I always wanted to be accepted by somebody or loved and that sort of thing. So I had worked on that shoot with my parents. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) But I obviously hadn't done enough of the work with my relationships. And I was with, I had stuck with Jamie, I guess, as part of that fear, right? A fear of abandonment and fear of being by myself. And, And what happened that day, I really believe it was, totally a gift from the universe mm, to pull me back totally and to say you know to release me of stuff that wasn't serving me right there yeah. and I couldn't grow in that environment and nourished energy couldn't work either Be born, yeah yeah and I had to I had to reach the bottom right the rock bottom and and I had to live through my fear of abandonment so I was single mumming yeah. <laughs> I was alone and um and I was living through that and I did, we did work through our shit and I went back but not because I was in fear anymore. I was actually, the choice I make every day to stay with that man that I love with all my heart is totally a love-based choice. Oh, love it. Yeah. That would have taken a lot of bravery on not just your side but also his. Yeah. To, like, be okay and to, like, to be okay to hold the space for healing and to face both of your shit. Um, I have a note here that I that I. I think I must have put off your website, the fear of caring what people think is like a thing for you. So I can see how it would have all been just like, Huge. yeah. Huge. And, and the Italian thing, right? Living the expectation. Yeah, which yeah. I'm now all about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I, like that's the thing as well. Like even when you said like your mum, and I'm sure she's like the most beautiful soul ever, but like things you do massage and like, <laughs> like, 
the day my podcast came out, the trailer came out yesterday, Dad was the first person I showed it to, like straight away. I was like, Dad, Jonathan's podcast. He's like, yeah, show me how to do it on my phone. I want to listen to it on my phone. I'm like, yeah, man, this is what you do. You've got the app. You don't even need to think. You don't need to buy anything. It's there. It's in. So I just listen to this every Monday. Yep, you just listen to this every Monday. Like, and that guy is like on my team, and like, and I forget that like I could be like, Dad. Well, you know, I've got big dreams to do things. I'm like, Dad, I'm going to do this thing. He's like, Yeah, when? Do it. And I forget how lucky I am that I've got family that like. I'm like, Mom, I might, I might move here. I might do this. She's like, Yeah, I'll come visit. Like, it's just. But then I can see like the like. Culturally, the Italian culture is beautiful. I mean, it's love, it's passion, it's celebration, it's family, and it's just, but it is completely different. And I can see how, like, you would have felt in the infancy of Nourish Energy quite alone, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt like a, a failure. Yeah. <laughs> An absolute yeah. failure. Yeah. But would you, would you like, I think you would have regretted it if you didn't do it. Like, I think if you didn't, you know, I think you'd be lost if you weren't doing this right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I know how I was um, doing my corporate day job and I never hated it. I was never, um, I never, you know, felt pushed away from it because I really hated my my day job. But mm-hmm. I, the fulfilment that I have today is way stronger. I couldn't even... It couldn't even put them in the same category, right? Yeah. It's completely different. So that's like passion-based work as opposed to like just kind of like that nine-to-five rat race that you th- you're you doing what you think people expect you to do. Yeah, or what you think that you yeah. love and you're good at it. So you just kind of just do it. Yeah. Yeah, and stay with it. I'm going to say something that's going to really rock your boat. That option will come again for you. So even though you're living your passion and purpose now, there will be options in this career in nourished energy that are the easy, safe option that you will think are the way to go and they may not be. So you've got to keep that courageous energy, not to give you a life lesson or anything no, right no, now. I like it, yeah. Um, you'll have to keep it the whole way through because there are times when I've had to say no to work that – people think is crazy and I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what the dollar sign is. I don't agree with the ethos of that brand so I will not be working with them. And owning that and having the courage to really truly march to the beat of your own drum, like really like, and I know I get it, you've got to think about the munchkins and all of that, all the bambinos, like I, I and absolutely do, but when it comes to nourish energy stuff, like the universe is still going to throw lessons at you, good ones. Like we were talking about just before this, like I, and I keep going and I always say it to you, I'm like, this is your baby, like, this is your third baby. Mm-hmm. That's the way to look at it. Well, maybe your first because it existed before the kidlings, you know, like I think – yeah, I think like that bravery that you worked on with Jamie, that bravery that you've worked on to get over your eating disorder, that bravery you've worked on from that moment we got the coffee and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to leave my corporate job. Never lose that. And that goes for anyone listening to this. If you've got a dream, it's not like you're going to get there and be like, yeah, I've got 100,000 followers, I'm making 200 grand a year, woo, like, or I've got this book deal or blah, blah, blah. Great, awesome. But you need to stay courageous enough to live your truth and to really, like, own it, I think. Yeah, I love that. 
I'm going to, I want to ask two questions that I'm probably going to throw you a curveball. You touched on it just before about like the ear thing and listening and the metaphysical side. Just for people that don't know much about metaphysical healing or what that kind of means, can you in a nutshell explain what metaphysics is? Yeah, sure. I guess, uh, I guess when we, in this type of work that we do, so energy healing, uh, quite often people will come to see you and they a lot of the times they come with an emotional sort of issue, but at the back end they're also struggling with something physical going on. Back pain. Back pain. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You know what, it, yeah. um, recurring cough that won't go away, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's really important to note that because the belief is that everything about us is connected, right? Mm-hmm. So at a soul level there's um, also the physical and the emotional, everything is connected. So whatever's going on for you physically is a message to you from your body to say, hey, hey, this needs attention here. Yeah. So in, in my case with the ear, it's, hey, you're not listening to something that's really important here. And they say the, the the more you ignore it, the worse it can get. In yoga, when I teach in yoga and we talk to, there's a pose called half pigeon or sleeping swan. It's a hip opener. And we say hips hold our current energy and our current emotional shit. When I say energy, sorry, my your current emotional energy. So like whatever you're facing now, it's uncomfortable now. And the amount of times like literally you don't even talk to it and you're just like, hey, guys, let's get into half pigeon, end of the class, put a nice song on and people come out just like bawling their eyes out because it's such a release, like the hips hold on to so much tension, especially when you're sitting all day, like the hips are kind of impinged really. So I just wanted you to talk to that because I think metaphysical stuff is so cool. So cool. And it's it's almost like so simple. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got back pain. Is there something in the past you're not sitting with? Do you know what I mean? Support. You're not feeling supported. Oh, I like Mm, that. (laughs) Oh, God, we've got to have more conversations. Um, Quickly before I let you go, favourite crystal and why and what it does. Oh. Got to ask it. Got to ask it. Rose quartz. Of course. You are all love. But talk us through what else it does apart from... You know, love, love energy. What else does rose quartz uh, do? I mean, rose quartz is all about love. It's about unconditional love and um, bringing love into your life on all all levels. And and really, that's what's most important out of life: love. I love it. And I'm just looking at there's a massive chunk of rose quartz right on her um, desk here, and next to it, she's got a is it an abalone shell? Yes. With Palo Santo in it. So Palo Santo is used, I'm going to let you answer this, but for cleansing, but it's different to white sage. So if you want to do a cleanse at home or you've moved into a new apartment or you're just like, I've had a shit fucking week and I want to reset my energy, you can buy Palo Santo from like health stores, some health stores, hippie kind of crystal stores. Yeah. Tell me about Palo Santo. Uh, It's basically called Hollywood. Yeah. And it's from South America, usually Ecuador. Or Peru, and um, basically you've got to wait until the the wood is has fallen from the trees for it to be sacred and for it to really work. The energy needs to uh, – so you can't chop down an, a brand-new tree. That's cool. That I didn't sense. know that. Yeah. Um, otherwise it doesn't have the same sacredness. Or, yeah, same energy. as. So there's a lot of non-sustainable shitty, shitty stuff. Yeah. So look for sustainable, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, it's really important. And you can tell because they're darker. 
Ah, um, and that one's a big mother that chunk. That is a big chunky one, yeah. <laughs> and um, so the reason why I, I use Palo Santo when I teach yoga, and so I like it because I know that it clears the energy, cleanses the energy, but also invites positivity mm. in. Is that right? Yeah, it does. Versus yeah. white sage that just is more of a cleanser? Yeah, white sage is is great for cleansing, especially if you've got really dense shit stuff yeah. going on. It smells like lamb like, chops. Yeah, it's pretty gross actually. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like Gross. Yeah, a lot of people don't like it. <laughs> but um, but it is good for really removing heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah. That's a good tip. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for doing this. And thanks for being really open and vulnerable. I know like some stuff we talked about was a bit darker and I just thank you for that because I don't think you can have the lightness without having maybe seen or experienced some sort of darkness. I know that sounds like a morbid thing to say but I think the darkness is kind of like what brings the lightness and at least it makes us kind of like go for that like you know when you're on the right path, you're like, I don't want to be back in the shit. Like I know I don't want to have an eating disorder again. So I'll feel that trigger and be like sit with it, learn from it and find the lightness. So thank you for being so open and vulnerable and, guys, check out Nourished Energy. Loretta is so gorgeous in every way. Physically, yeah, she's a hottie, but also energetically and she's just a natural-born healer. So I'm very grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lola. (laughs) that's a wrap on another episode of fearlessly failing as always thank you to our guests and let's continue the conversation on instagram i'm at yummo lola berry this potty my word for podcast is available on all streaming platforms i'd love it if you could subscribe rate and comment and of course spread the love